0: Would you open God's word and look with me at Isaiah chapter 56? I want to say, welcome back to our uh, series from Isaiah called Prepare the Way of the Lord. Prepare the Way of the Lord. There are two really pivotal chapters that are found in this really large book, Isaiah. One of them is where we started the series, Isaiah chapter 40. And the other one is where we are this morning, Isaiah chapter 56. Now, if you remember last week, uh, we heard the prophet extend on behalf of the Lord something we called the great invitation, an invitation to salvation. So as we come to this chapter, chapter 56, and this morning we're gonna look at just the first eight verses. But when we come to this chapter, we hear the Lord making sure that all of us who are Gentiles, if you're not Jewish, then you're a Gentile, just like me. And so God is wanting to make sure that everybody in this room knows you also are welcome. You're welcome into his family. If you'll trust Christ, you're welcome into heaven. God loves you so much. Isaiah might not fully have understood how one day Jew and Gentile would be able to come together as one in Christ. But by the time the apostle Paul was in the midst of his ministry, he could see it. He could see it taking place, we can see it today. For he himself is our peace, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.14, who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You know, I know that our nation now is divided, but you know what the best response to a divided nation is? A united church. When we come together in the gospel, we come together in Christ, He makes us one, and then we say, you know what? I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna share the gospel with others and help them, just like Stitch Ministries was doing for this lady, help them grow in the Lord and understand the ways of God. I think that's what Jesus was getting at in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, when he said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age." I'm so glad that we can do that together, supporting those that are at work uh, near us, like Stitch Ministries. We're reaching out to our community, reaching out even beyond our community. You know, we support a mission church in Houston called Nations Church, led by Buddy brentz and another team of missionaries. And they're trying to make disciples of all the nations. And whenever you give, you support ministries that go beyond our church, beyond this campus, beyond our community. You remember how after Jesus cleansed the temple, Mark eleven seventeen tells us that he actually quoted from Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56 and verse seven. And what he wanted to do was he said, you guys are off track. And so he wanted to recalibrate the vision of his people to get them back on track with his heart. God's heart is for the nations. You know, as a matter of fact, out of the Old Testament books, which books do you think are quoted the most in the New Testament? Psalms is the leader. I'll give you that. 68 times a Psalm is quoted verbatim in uh, the New Testament. But then 55 times this book, Isaiah is quoted and certainly Jesus when he was saying my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations I want you to read about it I want us to learn together even this morning I received a request from one of our missionaries in Zambia an IMB missionary named Nicholas Pivato, and he said We need this fall a college student. We need more than one if there's more than one but college students who will come who will share the gospel, who will make disciples right here in Zambia, along with other college students and underneath our supervision. So I'm excited about that. So if that's you, then this message is gonna help to train you. But let's say that all of us have somebody, there's somebody in your life that you could present the plan of salvation, you could help them grow in Christ, after they respond. So would you stand in honor of God's word? Let me read Isaiah 56, one through eight. You can follow along in your copy of God's word. I think we'll also have it on the screen. But let's read from Isaiah 56, verses one through eight. I'm reading from the ESV translation. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Lord, we realize as we read these verses, especially as we read that last verse, we're part of those that were gathered. Thank you so much that you didn't stop gathering in Isaiah's day or in Paul's day. I thank you that, Lord, you're still gathering, gathering people through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that we can partner with ministries like South Texas Children's Home, that we can deploy missionaries like Nicholas Pivato and his wife and family to Zambia, that, Lord, we can be a part of making disciples. Lord, even in our schools, in our businesses, in our community, there are those that you bring who are from other lands, other nationalities, other ethnicities, and we can become one in Christ. Help us, oh Lord, to be the kind of church that would communicate to them, we're glad you're here. Let's be on mission together. And so God, speak to us this day, how can we make disciples of all the nations? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. You know, I believe that Isaiah gives us some very simple instructions to how we can include global disciple making whenever we're saying, okay, who are we going to disciple? Where are we going to disciple? It doesn't matter. All we can say is, here's what I'm gonna do with whoever the Lord leads into my life. The first thing I think we can say is that whenever someone says, I want to be a disciple, I want to follow Christ, then the first thing we need to say as we disciple them, as we follow up on them, Is we need to say, you need to live in obedience to the Word of God. You need to try your very best to keep the Word of God. We realize we can't keep it perfectly. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we need the Gospel. That's why they need the Gospel. But you know, when it comes to obedience, I believe there are two dimensions to obedience. The first dimension is that we would put our faith in the Word. Whenever we hear the Gospel message, you have to trust what Christ has done for you. So you're gonna to have to trust the word of God. You're gonna to have to say, I will place my faith in the word. But once you do that, you're just getting started because you not only put your faith in the word, you say, God, I want to be faithful to the word. Those are the two dimensions where you begin and how you continue for the rest of your life. You know, the missionary map, that Paul gives us in Romans 10, tells us that out of the 7.6 billion people around the world, really everyone fits into these categories. There are those who do not understand the gospel. Romans 1 through four, says there are people who are really zealous for God, but you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to do it according to their own righteousness. And it's not good enough. None of us can be righteous enough to enter into God's family. There's some people who simply don't understand about the way of salvation. They don't understand the gospel. There's a second group, those who have not heard the gospel. There are so many people around the world, they don't even know one Christian. They don't have a church like this where they can go and hear the truth, where they can go and hear the gospel. And so Paul tells us about them in Romans 10, 14 and 15. He also tells us there are those who do not obey the gospel. In Romans 10, verse 16 and 21, there are just people who say, yeah, I know what you're saying. I just reject it. I don't accept it. But then of course, there's Romans 10, 9 through 13. Those who believe in their heart, those who confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's probably most of us in this room. So that's the faith in the word 700 years before Christ came, Isaiah saw that. And so that's what he's talking about in verse one, when he says, for soon my salvation, it will come. It did come in the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness, it was revealed in Christ. So as I was looking at verses one and two, I got to thinking about how do we respond to God's word in obedience? The first step is to say, I accept the authority of God's word. Look at verse one, thus says the Lord. Would you say, I gotta know what thus says the Lord, what he says after that, before I'll decide if I'm gonna obey what he's gonna say. No, I think that what we should say is whenever he says, thus says the Lord, I'm already all in. All my oars are in, all my heart is in. I want to obey him, I accept the authority of God's word. The other thing I noticed as you work your way down verse one, when he says, keep justice and do righteousness for soon my salvation will come. I thought about not only accepting the authority of scripture, but the adequacy of scripture. Are you still waiting for some other way to salvation? Are you still saying, I think there might be another book someday other than the Bible. Or is this one adequate? Would you say, no, I'm going to say that his salvation has already been revealed, it's already come. You know, whenever he says my righteousness be revealed, I thought, you know, we have to decide in life who's right. Have you decided, have you come to the conclusion that God's word is accurate? That's another way that we obey his word. When we say, you know what? I believe that when God says this is the right way for me to live, these are the right attitudes, this is the right way for me to talk to others, I believe that his word is accurate. And so when it says, my righteousness will be revealed, the word of God reveals the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Christ. So we have to say, if I'm in a choice between culture, between tradition, between what everybody else does and a choice between obeying God's word, for me, it's a no brainer. I will obey the word. If so, you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move to the second thing though. I believe that a disciple who follows Christ needs to know something very, very important because we all come from brokenness. We all have a lot of different backgrounds. We have to know that God welcomes us. Do you know that God is standing there with his hands wide open to you? If you will come to him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, only an outsider understands How sweet it is whenever someone says, you're welcome in our group. You're welcome in our church. You're welcome in our Sunday school class. You're welcome in the kingdom of God. You're welcome in the family of God. Somebody who's always been on the outside. It's so sweet because they also know the pain when they're held at arm's length. And they say, you'll never belong. You'll never be a part of what's going on in this circle. But God He's saying to you and to me, he's saying to people all around the world, no matter what their ethnicity, he's saying, you're welcome through the shed blood of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 1 through four, there were two groups that God himself said, they're not welcome in the assembly. One group were the eunuchs. The other group were the Ammonites and the Moabites. They were foreigners, they were outsiders. And they had not treated God's people right. But you know what? Isaiah looks down and he says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a new day is coming. A new day is coming. He heard God promising a new day when the foreigner, he wanted the foreigner to stop saying he wasn't welcome. He's unwanted. He said, I want you to stop saying that. Look at what he says in verse three. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, well, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. There's nobody, listen to me closely. There's nobody that stands in the shadows when it comes to God's family. Everybody's welcome at the foot of the cross. Everybody's welcome in the center of God's love and activity and what he wants to accomplish. The other group were the eunuchs. And so he wants the eunuch to stop feeling unimportant because they can't have a family. And so he says, let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. I can't bear any fruit. I can't accomplish anything in my life. Well, what was the turning point? Look at verse three. Something turned the corner in verse three. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord. That's always the turning point. Whenever you make a faith commitment, a public declaration, a public profession of your faith in Christ, and so if you have, we need to stop playing some video from the past, and we need to start receiving the identity that we have in Christ, that we're accepted. God loves us. As a matter of fact, there's so many wonderful things that God says to them when He says, look, I'm gonna give you a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. God's got an identity that's better for you. And then he says, I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So think about what that would mean to someone who was a eunuch. This is incredible that outsiders would receive such a welcome. Let me move to the third thing. If someone in your life says, I wanna be a disciple, I wanna follow Christ then you need to challenge them, okay, whatever God has placed in your life, whatever gift, ability, whatever resources, will you offer those to help with his work? You know, somebody who says, I follow Christ, but they don't wanna be a part of what God is doing. Is that true? Is that even possible? Disciples all over the world can give the following kinds of offerings to his work. Look at verse six and verse seven. You know, he says, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Okay, what comes next after a person joins themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants? You see, one offering you could say is I want to offer to God the gift of service. I want to I want to do something for God. Does that ever just really move within your heart? That's why we have a closed closet. That's why we have a servant's heart ministry. That's when we reach out to students and to children. That's why we send missionaries because people, the people of God have this internal, I don't know, it's like a compulsion. And they're saying, I've got to serve him. I want to give him the offering of service. But there's another offering you could offer to the Lord for his work. Read on, he says, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. I think another offering you can give is sanctification. To say, Lord, I want to try my best not to be a stumbling block to those that are in my world, to those who are watching me. Do you know what will hinder the work of God more than anything else? Is the inconsistency of Christians. Whenever we say one thing, like on a Sunday morning, but all through the week we live for the evil one or we live like the world. And so we need to say, Lord, I want to be a consistent Witness for Christ and offer you this sanctification offering. There's another offering and that would be a song. I love so much how we have so many talented musicians and we have so many talented singers who are always helping us to lift our song up to the Lord. That's another kind of gift. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you can't hear me singing because I'm down here. You know, I feel sorry for Tim. I'm sorry, Tim, if I wrecked your hearing. Just uh, send us a bill. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, uh, the song, man, the Lord gives you such joy. And you ought to say, I just got to sing to him. Some of my best moments are in the car singing praise songs with KSBJ and so forth. But he makes them joyful, he says, in his house. They're offerings to support his work. When you can say, okay, I'm going to give an offering to First Baptist because they take our offerings and they just send it in so many different directions to support so many different ministries in God's work. Of course, there's the supplication for his work. When you come to verse seven, he says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. We can pray. We can offer up supplication for those around the world well, let me give you one final one. Someone who says, I wanna be a disciple. I wanna follow Christ. I think that what they should say from that point is, that point on is, Lord, use me to reach someone else. I want to conduct outreach. I wanna be a part of reaching others. Isn't it amazing in verse eight that Isaiah, his vision must have been incredible. How far down the future can you see? Isaiah could see me and you coming to know Christ. Here's how I know. He says, I will gather yet others. When it says others there, you know your name is included in there. I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. They were gathering in Isaiah's day. When you read through the New Testament, they were gathering in those days. But you know, God's still gathering in 2021. And he still wants to gather even beyond you. And so when a church grows is when a church captures that vision, and they say, you mean God can use me to reach out to someone else? I mean, by the time we get to verse 8, it's like he's driving a sports car, and he's, man, he's shifting gears. I want to give you five gears from that one verse. The first gear is the word go. You know, he says those are outcasts of Israel. Instead of outcasts, because it has a negative connotation, I want to think about outsiders. Do you know there are people around the world who are outside of the opportunity to hear about Christ? 42% of the world is still unreached. Many of them do not have a Christian in their life. They, They didn't grow up in a Christian family. They don't have a church. And so unless someone goes into their life, they're not gonna hear. So the first gear is go. The second gear would be Gentiles. You know, here it's called others But you know, the others there would be foreigners, Gentiles, that's us. That's people that are at your school, at work, in your neighborhood, people around the world. So the second gear is I've got to get to the others who still don't know. The third gear would be this one, goal. What is the goal? Okay, if we're gonna go, if we're gonna share with others, then what's the goal? To Him, to Him. It says, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will will gather yet others, where? To him, that him there's Christ. So Christ is the goal. That's why Peter could say in Acts 4, 12, there's not another name that's given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. There's only one way to heaven and it's through Christ. And so we should say, Lord, I want to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then the fourth gear is gather. Did you notice in verse eight, gather is mentioned three times? I think God really is serious about gathering, don't you? I know that a lot of people think that it's kind of super spiritual to cut down a local church, but I just wanna, wanna ask you to slow that down a minute. If you cut down a local church, there's one thing you're saying. You're saying to Jesus, I don't like your bride. We need to be careful that we don't take baggage from people who have hurt us and take that into saying, I don't like churches, period, none of them. The New Testament church is a reality, it's God's way. God wants to gather. You're not meant to live the Christian life on your own. Neither is anybody around the world. So if you lead someone to Christ this summer, you should say, God, help me. Help me to remember three times in Isaiah 56, verse eight, You said, you're the God who gathers. God wants them to be gathered in the family. We need one another. And then the fifth and last gear is to guard. Gather, it almost sounds like he's trying to gather us to separate us. That's true. You know, in a parable that Jesus taught called the parable of the tares, parable of weeds, in Matthew 13, verse 39 through 43, Jesus said he's gonna gather the wheat and he's gonna gather the weeds. The wheat he's gonna place in his barn in heaven, but the weeds are gonna be destroyed in a fire. Oh, listen, the reason we have to go, the reason we have to make sure that they're gathered to the Lord is because we need to be a part of helping them come into the safety of God's shield that's provided in salvation. You know, think about this. God could have chosen any method he wanted to get the gospel out. He could have chosen any method. I mean, he could have had a big loudspeaker, put all kinds of speakers across heaven. Now, hear this. He could have had angels flying around, all kinds of different things. But you know what he chose? He chose 12 men. He chose disciple making, he chose investing in other people. See, there's impact through contact. Whenever we say, I want to connect with other people, because it's through people that people will say, you know what, this is how your life can be changed. And so that's why whenever Paul was, you know, on the face of this earth, he was finding people like Timothy, a younger man. And he said, I want you to come with me. I want you to watch me. And then I'm going to give you responsibilities. And then eventually you're going to help others. I'd say he modeled, he mentored, and he multiplied. What about you? Are you modeling? Are you mentoring? Are you multiplying? Certainly Timothy's parents, you know, his mom, his grandmother, they did what they could to to mentor him, to disciple him. But, But Paul came along and Paul took it to another level. Are you reaching someone else with the gospel? You know, if there was one place that Isaiah 56 was completely fulfilled. You know where that one place was? Ethiopia, the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, one man came to Christ in a chariot on a dusty back road. The Holy Spirit led Philip to join the chariot. A man was reading the Old Testament scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah, and Philip, it says, Open his mouth beginning with this scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus. When he baptized that foreigner, guess what happened? Isaiah 56 came true. Foreigners coming to know Christ and eunuchs coming to know Christ all in one man. Isn't it amazing how God can accomplish his word? He wants to fulfill his word, his plan in your life and through your life. Don't forget, I'm praying that God would lead somebody from our church to go to Zambia, you know, to be a college student and help, you know, Nicholas Pivato and his family and all these other Zambian Christians to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. I received a newsletter last night from Jesse and Danielle Cook. They're getting ready. They're finishing their language study uh, by September. They'll be going to Costa Rica. It won't be long after that, Jesse's gonna be saying, Come on down, send a mission team. Uh, we're already going to partner with Buddy Brintz and Nations Church in Houston. Next June, Lord willing, we want to take a team from Nations Church and from First Baptist Columbus and go to Japan and come alongside of Jacob Tice and his mission team and reach those that are there in Osaka, Japan. And we want to help them with discipling. You want to go? Is God calling you to go? It's not just a trip, it's a mission. You see, our mission is to make disciples of all the nations. Who is it that God is calling you to reach to disciple? Maybe it's you. It starts with you. You know, I know some are finishing up school. Some are gonna be free in the summer. We got VBS coming up. We got student camps coming up, children's camps coming up. You know, there's a lot of ways you can be a part of all that God is doing. If you'll just simply start by saying, I'm gonna turn my eyes on the Lord and I'm gonna follow him. Let's pray and whatever God says to your heart, I'd be happy to pray with you. I'll be waiting down front if you need someone to speak with. Lord, thank you so much for this time to gather together in the name of Jesus. Uh, we've assembled in your name and ask, invited you to, to bless our time. And so God, we want you to have your full, full control during this time of invitation. May your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. Let each person know that the Great Commission includes them. First, that they would come to salvation in Christ, become a disciple, but second, that they would also make disciples of others. And so help them to know there's a place for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.